Hello, this is the Evidence-Based GI Podcast, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing the potential adverse events or harms associated with proton pump inhibitor use, which is a common question from our patients, as well as something that has been sensationalized sometimes in the lay media. Specifically, we'll be reviewing a summary entitled Reinvestigation of the Association of Proton Pump Inhibitor Use with Mortality by Accounting for Reverse Causation. And this was written by our associate editor, Ravi Vajravalu from the University of Pittsburgh, who I welcome to our parkris today. How you doing, Ravi? I'm doing well. It's great to be with you again, Phil. Um, Excited to talk to you about this paper. Let's start off as usual by just discussing why is this an important topic for our listeners to understand? You know, as us uh, providers of gastroenterology services know, PPIs are one of the most commonly used medications in the world. And they're not just prescribed by us, they're prescribed by all sorts of providers. If you take the United States alone, it's estimated that 7% of people are on these medications. And while the primary indication for them is gastroesophageal reflux disease, there are lots of other chronic conditions uh, that require long-term use of these medications. Some of those are chemo prevention of Barrett's esophagus and also treatment of eosinophilic esophagitis. And as we know, we also use these for peptic ulcer treatment and prophylaxis. And the reason that Uh, This study is particularly important is that, as you mentioned, for the past decade, there have been several retrospective cohort studies that used observational data to and identified potential serious adverse effects of chronic PPI use. And those include things like chronic kidney disease, dementia, fractures, and even cardiovascular mortality. But the quality of those studies has been called into question many times due to issues with the study design and not appropriately adjusting for medical comorbidities, or also having some biases in the study design. And just to summarize that, as you say, you know, we know that proton pump inhibitors are effective treatments for gastroesophageal reflux disease, and that they're chemo prevention once somebody is diagnosed with Barrett's esophagus, and also may be appropriate as both treatment and as a preventive treatment uh, or preventive agent for somebody with peptic ulcer disease, as well as treatment for eosinophilic esophagitis first line. And those are all disorders where we want to use the lowest dose that's effective as possible. But our patients get concerned because they see these reports that PPIs have been associated with dementia, diabetes, pneumonia, uh, renal disease. And yet, these are all based on observational studies where it's very difficult to control for what we call confounders. Um, And before we discuss this specific study, maybe you can just discuss some of the limitations of those kind of studies. especially given your background as an epidemiologist. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the first that you mentioned is dealing with confounding. And so 
just as you had said, confounding is when you have a third study factor that is influencing the study results. So in our normal epidemiologic studies, our main goal is to identify how a particular exposure of interest is related to an outcome of interest. And so in the, many of these studies, that exposure of interest is proton pump inhibitor use, and the outcome is something like death. A confounder is a third variable that's related with both. So for example, a potential confounder in many of these studies is being ill from something else. So for example, patients who have chronic kidney disease, we know have higher risk of gastrointestinal bleeding, and many of these patients end up on GI prophylaxis with proton pump inhibitors. The chronic kidney disease is a severe chronic condition, and so that's also related to the outcome of the study, death. And so if these retrospective epidemiologic studies don't do a good job of accounting for confounding variables such as chronic kidney disease, you'll see a, a false association between the proton pump inhibitor and death, where in fact that association may be mainly due to the association with the chronic kidney disease, for, for example. Exactly. Somebody has a disorder where PPIs frequently get prescribed for it, and that disorder is ultimately what leads the person to develop chronic renal disease or dementia or something else. Um, well, let's discuss this specific summary that you wrote, which reviewed a article in gastroenterology entitled Association of Proton Pump Inhibitor Use with All-Cause and Cause-Specific Mortality. This was a really well-designed epidemiologic study that, that looks at the ultimate outcome, that is all-cause mortality. What do the investigators phrase as their study question and, and how do they investigate it? Yeah, so this was a really interesting study to, to review. And so Lowe and colleagues, they used data from two well-known cohort studies to assess the association of PPI use with uh, several different causes of mortality, including all-cause mortality. And so those data sources are the Nurses Health Study and the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study. And so these are long-term prospective cohort trials that recruited female nurses and male health professionals from the 1970s and 1980s and they've been following these patients up every two years and asking them to complete lifestyle questionnaires and provide health updates, which uh, those happen through interviews, but they are also verified with investigation of medical records. And so this is a well-established long-term uh, study that has a lot of very rich data. And so what Lowe and colleagues have done here is that they assess the association of self-reported PPI use with subsequent death. And they used a technique called Cox proportional hazards regression to estimate the hazard ratio of dying if you are taking a chronic proton pump inhibitor. The key to this study design, like you're saying, what's, what was unique about this study is that they adjusted or, or they designed the study in a way to avoid something called protopathic bias. And this hasn't been well done in many of the previous retrospective cohort studies. To unpack what protopathic bias is, I'm just going to give a quick vignette about a hypothetical scenario. Uh, and then I also want to note that protopathic bias is sometimes also called reverse causation. And so th those are essentially synonyms. And so these two, uh, protopathic bias or reverse causation, it occurs when prodromal symptoms of the outcome cause receipt of the exposure of interest. So this is kind of like an extreme case of what we were talking about at the top with CKD. 
And so we can think of a hypothetical patient who develops chest pain. The patient then visits a provider who diagnoses the chest pain as GERD and prescribes a PPI. But let's say the next day, the patient's pain begins to radiate on the left arm and it becomes clear that this is actually angina. And then unfortunately, the patient develops a myocardial infarction and subsequently dies. If this patient was included in a retrospective observational study of PPI use, it would look like they were prescribed a PPI and then they died. And therefore, the PPI would be associated with that death. But to prevent this from happening, but when we know the full clinical scenario, we understand what actually that the PPI wasn't the cause of the death. What some studies do is they create washout windows when they're measuring exposure. And so, for example, they would not include any new medications that were prescribed within 30 days of the outcome of interest, in this case, death. And so the authors here did something similar by creating longer and longer lag windows to disassociate the likelihood of having protopathic bias contributing to the study results of death in this cohort. So let me have you pause there because I think this is a really important concept for our listeners. And I really like the uh, clinical vignette you used to illustrate this idea of protopathic bias or reverse causation. If PPIs are really causing some kind of harm, then long-term use of those PPIs should be required before that harm actually presents itself. If there's a true cause and effect relationship. And this goes back to something you and I both know as epidemiologists, what we call the Bradford Hill criteria, which are used to assess if there's a cause and effect relationship between a particular exposure or drug and an adverse event. And yet, if somebody is getting prescribed a medicine because of a symptom or a disorder, that ultimately leads to the harmful event. It's not the medicine that was mistakenly prescribed to treat the disorder that's causing the harmful event. It's that underlying disorder. And protopathic bias can be, or reverse causation can be alleviated if you use that washout period and you're only assessing people who are on a drug for at least two years before the harmful event or four years before the harmful event, or six years before the harmful event. And fortunately, that's something that you can do with this study. So what are some of the study results? What did they find? Yeah, so they were able to identify 72,000 study participants. Since this is a long study that started in the 70s and 80s, 22,000 of those patients died during study follow-up. And of those who died, uh, 10% were using PPI at the time of death. And so they started with an analysis that didn't account for protopathic bias, and they found that PPI use was associated with mortality from the following, all causes, cancer, cardiovascular diseases, respiratory diseases, digestive diseases, and renal diseases. So of the things that they tested, the only two that weren't associated in the analysis that did not account for protopathic bias were death from neurologic causes or death from infectious diseases. So let me just have you pause there because this is really important. So if you don't try to take into account protopathic bias or reverse causation, their initial uncontrolled analysis made it seem like PPIs were associated with all kinds of mortality. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But the thing to note is that 
the estimates were pretty small for most of these. We're talking about hazard ratios only four or five percent above the null association hazard ratio of one. So these are very small and likely indicate some confounding. And then when you apply the protopathic bias adjustment, as we're about to talk about, you start to see some of these associations go away. Well, why don't you, you talk about, so once you said, once the investigator said you have to be on the drug for two years or four years or six years, what happens to these supposed associations? So the association with cardiovascular death drops away after using a two-year lag window. So that means you have to be on, or people who are using, or if you eliminate people who are only using PPI for two years, cardiovascular death is not relevant anymore. If you extend that window out to four years, all-cause mortality, cancer mortality, and respiratory mortality go away. When you extend it out to six years, which was the longest interval they used here, the association with digestive diseases goes away. And the only remaining association was the association with renal diseases with a hazard ratio of 2.45, and it was statistically significant. And that's an important point too. We're going to come back to the issue of renal disease and PPI in a few moments. But in terms of this study, what are limitations in terms of how our listeners can interpret it? Because it certainly makes it sound like mortality is not associated with PPI use and mortality from several different types of mortality is not associated with PPI use. But what are the limits in this kind of a study? I'll offer two here for the podcast. One is from a clinical perspective, and it's more of a caveat than a limitation. And, and that I would say, so this study is showing that we don't have associations between PPI use and cause-specific mortality for many conditions. But we just need to step back and remember that that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't an association with development of a condition. So what we can't say here is that even though PPIs are not associated with respiratory death, we can't say that doesn't mean that they aren't associated with pneumonia. Even if we don't think that to be the case, this study just doesn't necessarily give us that information. And so that's important when we're counseling our patients uh, to keep that in mind. And then the second point is from more from a methodologic perspective. We talked about the importance of adjusting for protopathic bias uh, and is clearly vital for this study and all studies like it. But since we talked about this study is, they only assess exposure to PPIs every two years. And so there, these lag windows that they're using here or washout windows are very long, two years, four years, six years. And so when you cut out that much PPI use, statistically you start to have less power and therefore some of these six-year lag analyses may not have as much statistical power as other studies or as much as you'd expect with the size of the cohort that they had here. You mentioned a really important point. We can't eliminate the possibility that PPI use might be associated with the development of a specific disease process like pneumonia. We're only eliminating the likelihood that PPIs are related or associated with respiratory disease-associated mortality. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the optimal kind of a study to assess a harmful event is a randomized control trial. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we do have a well-designed randomized control trial, the COMPASS trial, which 
was actually designed to look at the benefit of aspirin versus rivaroxaban for cardiac health. But in that study, they also had a placebo-controlled arm where patients got either a proton pump inhibitor or a placebo. <laughs> and we can use that to assess the likelihood of adverse events or harm in those patients who got randomized to either get a PPI or a placebo and were followed for three years. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what the COMPASS trial showed in terms of the risk of developing dementia, pneumonia, yeah. you know, diabetes, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this dovetails right into you know, what I say to my own patients um, based off of the results of these COMPASS trials when they ask me about PPI use. And so just as you had said, the COMPASS trial was a randomized control trial and the population that it studied were people who are very much like our patients. They're people who have chronic, stable cardiovascular disease or peripheral vascular disease. And essentially what they were able to do is using a design called a factorial design. They're able to do two randomized control trials at once. One, they were randomized to rivaroxaban, rivaroxaban plus aspirin or placebo to assess cardiovascular outcomes, but then um, opportunistically, they also did this study where they assessed placebo versus pantoprazole 40 milligrams daily in that same population. And so from that, you're able to isolate the effect of the pantoprazole 40 milligrams daily on patients who are very much like our patients who are taking chronic PPIs. Patients were followed up about three years and the main side effect that was identified among all of the side effects that were studied that you mentioned was just a, a risk, a small increased association with enteric infections. And that's ultimately what I talk about with my patients when they ask about risks here, that to really provide a bottom line, that if a patient has had C. diff and they're on a PPI, that they are probably more likely to have a recurrency diff compared to a similar patient who isn't on a PPI. And so this tiny risk, increased risk of enteric infections. But otherwise, based on the COMPASS trial, which looked at thousands of patients who are on PPIs for three years versus placebo, that none of these other diseases appear to occur more frequently in people who are on PPIs. Um, Having said that, I always emphasize to my patients that we always want to use the lowest effective dose of a medication for as short a period of time as possible at the same time. But if you really need the medication that you don't want to discontinue it because of an unfounded fear, how do you manage that discussion in your own practice? Yeah, very, very similarly. I I work at the Pittsburgh VA and I see many veterans, so I'm prescribing these medications all the time for chronic GERD, Barrett's esophagus, eosinophilic esophagitis. The talk I have with patients is really in three parts. Uh, The first part is validating their concern because these, as you mentioned, this um, news about these PPIs, potential PPI side effects are pervasive. And so I agree with them that it has been reported, but that many of these studies had design flaws that make it hard to interpret the results. And then I, the next 
step two is to talk exactly about the compass trial and that I say we have a new newer randomized control trial which is the gold standard data at this time and it didn't demonstrate any of those concerns and then I point out though this isn't the be all end all we still are continuing to study this topic newer uh, observational studies with better designs are not showing significant PPI adverse effects but or so therefore we think all of these medications are safe especially if you have a strong indication to use them and then the final part is exactly what you said but we're going to keep reevaluating this if we find that or you no longer need the medication or we can get you on a lower dose we're going to get you to that lowest effective dose so that we don't expose you to any unnecessary risk that we just don't know about yet as a medical community i i really like your emphasis on validating the patient's perspective because these reports in the lay media are pervasive and I, and I think it's important to validate those patients' understandable concerns. But as you said, bottom line is we do not see in the large randomized control trials nor in the well-designed observational studies any increased risk of disorders with PPIs other than enteric infections, with the possible exception of the issue of renal disease. And do you want to talk about that for a moment as something that that may be a topic for further research? Because I guess there's just the, the narrowest window that there might be a little bit of an impact on the kidneys with PPI. You had mentioned the Bradford Hill criteria at the beginning, and just to remind, that's a set of nine criteria that can help determine if a medication side effect is causation or just association. And some of those things, some of the criteria are like the size of the effects or how strong the association is shown to be, which you just mentioned, they tend to be pretty small effect sizes. And then the other big thing is whether there's any biologic plausibility. For the association of renal disease and PPIs, there is a potential biologic mechanism in that PPIs have been linked with a short-term side effect of acute interstitial nephritis in some patients who take them, although it's hard to characterize how often that happens or in how many people. And so it's theorized that long-term use of PPI could have some similar biologic manifestation. That hasn't been proven. And the investigations that have looked into the association between renal disease and PPI use have mixed results. But you know, this study here, which we like quite a lot, is demonstrating an association between PPI use and renal, renal mortality. And so it would be, it is worth it for us as a scientific community to continue to investigate that association with looking at it in other ways, in other data sources, and uh, with the best scientific methods that we can to really unpack this. Right. So just to make sure our listeners understand, we're not saying that the data definitively identifies an association between PPI use and renal disease. We're simply saying that in addition to an, an increased risk of enteric infections, this is the one area where some further research is probably justified, whereas all these other things that PPIs have been associated with are associations that once you take into account the appropriate confounders or protopathic bias, go away. So looking a little bit more closely at any possible association with renal disease is the one other area that probably deserves further research. 
Yeah, definitely an important area. Well, I also want to take this brief opportunity to thank you for your service on Evidence-Based GI for the past year. Dr. Vajravalu is going to be ending his service with this podcast, but Ravi, I've loved working with you and I really appreciate all the effort you put into the publication over the past year. Oh, thank you very much. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's, it's really been a, a privilege to serve the ACG community. Thank you.